Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So it's uh, all play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi, villains, and welcome to For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast. And right on cue, my dog starts barking just as the intro music stops. <laughs> but that's that's just part for the course around here. So anything that can happen will happen. But I'm glad today, guys, to be joined by um, somebody who has had the pleasure of um, sitting down and talking to somebody that, that you're going to hear an awful lot about on this podcast and going forward over the next few weeks. I'm joined by Josh Schneiderweiler from the... Um, from the Training Training Ground Guru podcast. Uh, and Josh, thank you very much for popping on the podcast today and uh, giving us your insight into who Aston Villa, as I said, are, are well, they have announced it more or less, is is going to be their new head coach. And that is um, Mick Beale, going to be coming down with Stephen Gerrard from Rangers. And you've had the, the, um, the pleasure of talking to him. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure and uh, happy to speak about uh, Mick Beale. Um, as he goes by um, when you when you speak with him, uh, he's a fantastic guy. And, you know, it's, he's had a really interesting journey um, in coaching and one that I don't think many coaches have had. And uh, I think it's you know great that we're going to get to talk to him. And just, you know, before we get going, like, you know, Aston Villa fans, you know, you guys should be really excited because I think you got uh, a good thing coming. And that's interesting. I think before we do go in and speak about uh, about Mr. Beale, and, and I referenced him there as head coach. Obviously, he's going to be first team coach with Aston Villa. Mm. Head coach, first team coach, whatever kind of moniker or label you want to put on him, he's going to be uh, working under Steven Gerrard with this group of players. But I think it's kind of important to preface it as well for you, Josh, as well. You mentioned this. Uh, Aston Villa fans are going to be happy with, uh, with what they hear from, from uh, Mick Beale. But um, I suppose it, it's it's interesting, and, and normally we wouldn't do an awful lot of massive features on coaches or coaching staffs that come in here. But as 
as is customary, I think, within the Twitter world of football, there seems to be a bit of a divide. Not as much as you would probably think, but I would say it's probably 66% positive, 33% skeptical with regards to Steven Gerrard. And I think a lot of the reason being is that it's 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 more so the 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 fact that the unknown from Steven Gerrard that's coming in here and and potentially his 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 training staff as well. But also I think that there's an interesting kind of paradoxical kind of uh, moment between Steven Gerrard and Dean Smith because as I mentioned to you off off top or um off the podcast there a moment ago, uh, the uh, a lot of people think that the clock is ticking and and Steven Gerrard go to Liverpool and because Steven Gerrard has the affinity with Liverpool that our former manager that we were we relieved of his duties less than a week ago had with our club as well. So I think there's a little bit of a paradigm there that, that you know, you have somebody whose heart lies with another and he will admit that it lies with, with, with Liverpool. And we've just kind of let go of somebody who would have gladly stayed our manager for the next, un, until you did put him into a, a wooden box and lay, lower him down into the ground. And, and there's a bit of a, a, a kind of a, it, it's an interesting dichotomy between the two, two from that aspect as well. So it is interesting to get to know what Dean Smith is going, or sorry, what Steven Gerrard is going to bring into the club in the way of, um, of staff and uh, and structure as well, so so it's going to be a really interesting conversation today. Um, so if anybody hasn't listened to your podcast on um on Make Beal, there was a there was a training training ground guru podcast, and and you also did another podcast, and and you'll have to excuse me, I can't remember what. That, what that's okay. This it was, was a while back. It was it's it was called uh, this football life. Um, and that was from the interview. I the first interview I did with him on the, which was on this football life was back in 2018. Uh, before he had actually even signed with Rangers. It was about a month before mm-hmm. he signed with Rangers. So he was still the Liverpool. Um, I, be, I believe he was the lead foundation coach um, at Liverpool. And um, he had just finished. Um, he'd come back six months um, before from Brazil um, at that time, um, and so he had he hadn't signed with Gerard yet. And um, yeah, I mean, I might as well just like ju- jump right in right there, like I because I, I think it actually t- talks a little bit about who he is as a guy. Um, at the time, I had been doing that show for maybe four or five months, not even actually probably like three or four months. I'd only been in football interviewing people for less than a year, undoubtedly. And I reached out to him on Twitter out of the blue. and was just like, Hey, I've had, you know, a couple of people on the show before, you know, uh, who have been youth coaches, would you be interested in coming on? And he just got back to my Twitter DM and was like, yeah, sure. Um, and I met him up in, in Liverpool uh, by the docks. We, cause I was still like so, um, young and like inexperienced, you know, we just did it in literally like a hotel, like eating area. It was like 3 PM dead on the water. And he just met me there and was like, we just spent two and a half hours just talking. Oh. And, uh, I mean, the interview I think is an hour and 45 minutes that, um, this football life, you can find it. Um, just type in mm-hmm. this football life, Michael Beal and, we spent an extra 45 minutes off air at least um, just talking and, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people now at this point and I can honestly say he's one of the most friendly, engaging people I've ever met um, uh, doing this because he actually asks and is genuinely interested 
in you. Like he asked me plenty of questions like, oh, where are you from the States? You know, and like, you know, um, just took an interest in my life, which a lot of people when you interview them don't do, which is understandable. Um, but he really cared and he made you feel I mean, granted, there weren't really any other people there. But he made you feel like there was nothing else in that moment that was more important than your conversation, um, which was pretty, you know, um, great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like just from that in and of itself, like you could definitely see, oh, there's something about this guy. Um, he makes you feel, um, you know, he makes you feel, uh, I don't know what the word is, but, you know, cared for, like appreciate it. Yeah. Exactly. Appreciate it. Um, which is not always the case. Um, in fact, it's rarely the case. Um, I mean, people have engaging conversations, but it was probably a level above just having an engaging conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, that, yeah, that's an interesting piece as well there, because that's that's an interesting insight into the, I suppose, the intangibles of of a coach itself, and specifically a youth coach. I'm glad to hear mm. that a youth coach would have that that sense of aura about him and an aura about building people up, even just by conversation and everyday conversation and you know sometimes when you do interviews it can be flippant conversation throwaway comments yeah. and things like that can come you know so so that that's an interesting uh early um observation of of the man behind the man behind the name i suppose well i think it's something that gets to kind of one of his core ethos which is communication and mm-hmm. you know connection and that's something that, you know, I've interviewed him twice now and something that like is the through line kind of through both of the interviews is the importance of communication and, and you know, inspiring people, um, but also just like communicating an idea. And when you hear him talk, like he's very eloquent and he knows how to get a message across um, and v- just very charismatic, to be honest. Um, and he really believes that one of the core idea uh, principles of any coach is communication. And if you read, uh, and I'm sure many of your listeners have been reading uh, profiles of Gerard and, you know, Beal, one of the things that they, the players say about them is the communication was clear. Whatever we, you know, our, we needed to do, it was clear before the game. This is what needs to be done. And everyone's role was clear. The expectations were clear. The standards are clear. And that's something that I think is really core to his coaching style is that communication is everything. He uses he uses a, um, a phrase in, in the interview you did for the training ground guru. He uses the phrase, you versus yourself an awful lot. Mm. And that he can be quite a challenging type person. And that's why I also find it interesting that you say that he can be charismatic while changing because there is no handbook on how to do that. There is no training course. There is no college course you can go on that will teach you how to be challenging while charismatic. Talk to me a small bit about, about how you felt that came across when he was discussing it on your podcast. The you versus yourself? Um, yes, um, yeah, the you versus yourself because he, he, was, he was quite big into it. Well, so, I, I mean, the way I look at it is he, as I think he mentioned in that interview, he's had opportunities to be a coach in other places. Um, but really for him, it's, it's not what other people think. Um, you know, this is what you ought to do. He's always, I think he's kind of internally motivated. Um, this Mm -hmm. is what I'm going to do. And these are the standards I set for myself. And, you know, that's, I think why he went to Brazil, like, um, he had, uh, 
a, a good thing at Liverpool. I mean, mo- I, I can't think of any, you know, other coach who's left Liverpool to go be an assistant in a foreign country. Um, uh, you know, I think he's internally motivated and he's kind of, a, I want to say a maverick, but like he likes to challenge himself. Um, he, I mean, he started his career. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but like, so he, he played as a, he was a player at Charlton as a, as a young teenager and he didn't really make it into professional football. I mean, he kind of did, but, um, and I think he even played in, um, the Netherlands, uh, very briefly, mm-hmm. but, you know, after he realized, um, that, you know, this professional career isn't going to work for me, you know, he wanted to be a coach and that's something he said he was always interested in. And he started his own soccer school out of a church, like as a 20 something year old, like that's not a pretty typical thing, um, for, for people to do. And that, I think it's because he likes the challenge. I think he appreciates that. And he doesn't just jump at the first, you know, ah, this, this might, you know, be good. No, he wants, you know, something that he really is motivated by and he likes to challenge himself. Yeah. I'm, I'm repeating myself now, but um, I believe that's what it comes, the you versus yourself kind of comes back to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think it's, yeah. it's, it's actually very apparent in the, in, in the, the, the interview he does with you as well. And, and he speaks an awful lot about the, and you can tell he's a youth coach. You know, you can tell that he's he's brought stuff with him from a youth coach point of view. And and, and I'm cognizant of the fact that you interviewed him while he still was a youth coach. But I would imagine that, that that he's brought this because it seems very much built into him his way of communication, as you said. That he helps you realize, and and he helps you realize what you can do, and he takes you so far, and then he challenges you to go the extra mile. Then it's like I I'll take you. 60% of the way, but that last 40%, no one's going to hold your hand, you know? And, and, yeah. and, and that's, that's a fantastic, and, and, and from what you're telling me there that like, essentially he had his, he had his, his football career with Charlton and he got far, he got 60% of the way to become a professional footballer. And, you know, he, he, he still wanted to make something of his, of, of himself, even though it wasn't going to be a professional footballer, but no one was going to hold his hand. So he went out on his own and set up his own soccer school. It's a really interesting, he kind of almost lives by his philosophy. Yeah, and and actually, this communication idea comes back to his playing career because he said um, in the first conversation I had with him, he said that the reason he believes it's so important is because he wanted more feedback when he was a player, and he said by the time he was older as a player, when he actually did get feedback, he just took it as criticism instead of you know appreciating that it was more constructive and trying to help him. But he was like, I wish when I was a young player that I had actually gotten more, you know, um, critique and feedback from his coaches and that the communication was better. And so that's kind of informed his coaching, um, you know, beliefs that like, you know, communication is everything. And he said, you know, like he, he he quotes, you know, all of the best managers are really at the end of the day, great communicators. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that kind of combined with his you know time as a player kind of informs who he is as a coach um but um and and you can hear when you when you hear him in any interview like you're like oh that's a well-spoken you know good communicator um it's it's easy to see you mentioned his time in in brazil and i suppose one of the biggest criticisms uh, that you could mention of any I'm going to even go so far as to say as British coaches, British managers, British players even to a great extent is they don't leave Britain. 
they stay within the four the, the, the confines of the British Isles and they'll like I know I'm saying this now, and uh, Stephen Gerrard did go to LA Galaxy in the in the Twilight Eve's career, but that's what happens. They go when they can know, but when maybe you know they're at the stage where you can't teach no dog new tricks situation. Um, it's very very few and far between. The coaches specifically would go. Yes, Stephen McLaren went out to Holland. Uh, Roy Hodgson mo- broke the mold really early and went to Finland and and, and to Scandinavia and did a lot of coaching around there. Uh, obviously, I think Graham Potter has come back from from um, from Scandinavia as well to to now manage in the league. But he went to Brazil. That's quite a long way away from uh, and, and culturally it's it, it's very different. Um. Talk, talk to me a small bit about 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 maybe you know what brought him to Brazil and, and and maybe what brought an end to it and how did he react to that coming back from Brazil? Do you remember anything from your interviews as to what happened with that with, with that chapter of his life? Yeah, so I mean, we, we talked about the you versus yourself. Uh, he saw an opportunity in Brazil, and one he you know he's always said that he's wanted to challenge himself and that he also wanted to learn other languages. So he learned. Portuguese there obviously that's a language there and um, you know he's he said in that interview that like it's really important for British coaches to learn other languages like managers across Europe do Um, that if you want to progress in your career if you want to work at the highest levels you have to learn a foreign language you just do and you know if you look at Aston Villa plenty of South Americans in that team you know, with uh, Martinez and Buendia and then obviously Douglas Luiz, who speaks Portuguese. You know, I'm sure he'll be using it because I, I remember when after he came back and I was like, are you still, you know, speaking Portuguese? He's like, yeah, I'm still like I'm still using it. And he's like, I don't want to lose it. I've I've already learned so much. I don't want to lose it. And I he was even learning um, Spanish when I talked to him. Um, his, he said his um, parents um, live in Spain and he's like, you know, he, he thinks that's really important for him to do that as well. Um, so he's always, you know, kind of trying to up his skills and uh, progress. And I think that's why he went to Brazil. Um, and I think it was really eye opening experience for him um, doing that. I mean, he said he learned a lot there and appreciated the different uh, culture. And, you know, one of the things that he talked about was, the training sessions there revolve so much around playfulness and games um, specifically. And that's something that, and we can talk about it now. I mean, one of the things that he's credited for most at Rangers is his training sessions. And he's the one that puts on all their training sessions. Um, And his training sessions are considered extremely high quality by uh, all the players. I mean, you can see the quotes in the media of them talking about it. Um, and a lot of those training sessions revolve around game. and different styles of games. Cause at the end of the day, players respond most to those. And that's something that he really kind of took. Uh, I mean, I know he did it before that um, anyway, but something that he, I think appreciated going to Brazil was that playfulness that they had there and um, the games. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was, good for him to challenge himself there and um, just look at it a different way of um, playing and the, uh, everything really. Um, mm. And he came back from Brazil and, 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 and to be honest with you, like this probably shows the measure of the guy because uh, he comes back from Brazil and one phone call to Alex Inglethorpe and he's back in, in Melwood again with the, with the yeah. Liverpool Academy. So like, you know, they were, it's kind of sad to see you go, but love to see you come back in the future. And they actually meant that. And uh, he moves back to Liverpool continues to 
work under Steven Gerrard at that at that stage and ends up in and ends up in Rangers. Uh, so it's it, it all had a happy ending after all, even though maybe the promises that were made when he went to Brazil were maybe not fulfilled, uh, even though he was under uh, quite a big name manager and well, a big name player turned manager, I suppose. Uh, at, mm. at that stage, he ended up back at Liverpool. Um, I suppose just before we we kind of finish up on the podcast here, um, we've kind of looked more a lot of this of his chronological chronological order, I suppose, really of of what made him tick and where where he came from there. But are there any other insights that maybe that you garnered from him, um, that, that that you'd like our listeners to know about who who the man is? Um, well, I mean, I just something I think something that's important, um, you know, just kind of in general. It's not just with him, but in regards to you know him and Gerard. I mean, it's not like they had a close relationship before he started working uh, for Gerard at Rangers. Like he kind of got a, you know, call out of the blue from Gerard. Um, they didn't really have a, like a, you know, meaningful relationship before they started working together. That being said at Rangers, um, you know, cause I, you know, talked to him, uh, you know, this past year and he was talking about how it's very much a group coaching effort like they're it's a team of coaches like Gerard is obviously at the top of that but he delegates a lot to Beal and to McAllister and they spend countless hours together in their room in their coaching room and him and McAllister just eating biscuits and um you know drinking tea together and like it's very much it's not like this is the manager this is what I say and you know kind of okay these are the two coaches beneath me no it's very much like a a team effort um and it's interesting to see that like you know they didn't really know each other well beforehand but clearly they've meshed really well and you know there there seems to be some real good synergy between uh the three of them and obviously there are more coaches as well that Gerard's bringing and you know important to that setup but like you know in general I, I I do think it is worth mentioning that like this was not you know, planned, like, um, and yet it's worked so well and, you know, how, how they've meshed. Um, and, you know, and I think that, you know, is more or less like, you know, a good kind of place to, to leave it with, with Mick, because, you know, at the end of the day, he's very unselfish and, uh, you know, uh, he wouldn't want to take, you know, credit for what they've done and he'll probably would foist it all upon the players. And I think all of the guys there, um, are quite humble. And um, when you meet, if you speak to him, hopefully, you know, maybe you'll get to speak with him or you'll see plenty of um, interviews with him, I'm sure, in the future. But he's a very humble guy and um, he's just a guy from Southeast London that is, uh, you know, started at the bottom and he's now at the top. But I don't think he's forgotten where where he's come from um, at all. And uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's that's all I got with him. I mean, I, you know, I've spent like, you know, if, you know, I guess three hours or more speaking with him, but at, at the end of the day, like he's um, he's a guy that I'm sure you and your listeners have met many times in, in your life in terms of like, he's just an engaging guy and uh, an engaging fellow that um, uh, happens to be really successful at what he does. Um, but he's definitely not like some diva coach or, you know, um, anything like that. <laughs> 
Good, good. Well, yeah. yeah. Not that we had any of them under our last regime, but down through the years since my time of being an Aston Villa fan, yeah, we've had quite a few, uh, quite a few diva coaches down, down down through the years and diva managers. But uh, hopefully, this is, uh, as I said, it, it this uh, this is a change attack, and that we will have um, more of these nice guys because I like a good nice guy, a nice guy situation. Yeah. And you know, he's, I mean, like he's as highly rated as any coach in the game. Like other coaches talk about how good he is like this you know do not think that like oh because you know maybe gerard's you know only had three and a half years of like you know first team coaching and what like michael beale has been a coach for you know the best part of 20 years like this guy has been coaching a long time even though he's only like 41 or so like yeah. he's been a coach for a long time so um yeah you guys are getting i think a good a good group Excellent, excellent. That's what we like to hear, specifically, I suppose, when we're in the infancy of kind of processing a lot of this and seeing where it comes out. And mm. I, for one, am looking forward to seeing maybe if it's only 5% of his stamp on the way we play against Brighton um, at the end of next week. But I'm still looking forward to to, to seeing what, um, what what comes out of, of the training ground and uh, what's put on the field on match day as well. Um, Josh, thank you so much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. Um, if anybody is like me and you love all things behind the scenes, like you know, training ground, uh, getting to know coaches, just getting to know what coaches do, interviews, listening to interviews with coaches, um, you know, Training Ground Guru podcast is absolutely very, it's, it's brilliant. Follow them on Twitter as well. They're really, really interesting. Um, they put up a lot of really interesting takes. Not, not on Aston Villa stuff specifically, but just on coaches in general. And uh, with the frequency that teams change head managers and change coaches and like to freshen things up, you want to stay ahead of the game, you got to listen to these guys. That's for absolutely sure. But uh, Josh, um, do you want to... I, I I will but I will butcher any of the any of the links to any of the websites or any of the links to any of your own personal um <laughs> your own personal social media. Do you want to throw those out before we uh, we finish up so people can keep in contact or keep in touch with any of the training ground stuff that's going on there? Not just you know follow the training ground guru podcast. We we're always having on interesting guests and um you know with you know, youth football, but also sporting directors and, you know, all, all sorts of people kind of behind the scenes and, and coaches as well. Um, but, you know, just you can follow me on, uh, on Twitter at Schneiderweiler um, or but more importantly, just follow Training Ground Guru and uh, all the stuff that uh, we're, we're doing there. But um, thank you so much for having me, Neil. It's been an absolute pleasure. No, the pleasure was all mine. As I say, I'm, I, I love all this stuff, looking at people who uh, I've had people on before who look into the data and data analysis of things and mm. correlation between numbers and stuff. And also getting to know people who, who look more into the tactical and the coaching side of things, is it, it really floats my boat as well. So it's been it's been a pleasure to have you on, Josh, and I hope to have you on. And not, not to have you on in the future because we've got new mm. coaches or new managers, but I, inside, I, I suppose, more so about <laughs> coaching and management in, in the future because I'm a big sucker for a dynasty within a, within a football club and hopefully these guys uh, will stay for as long as um as long as long as our wealth of uh, success allows them to put it that way yeah. um, well Josh, thank good you luck so to much you guys i'm excited to watch villa more now um definitely but um yeah best of luck 
Thank you so much. And we've just got a new fan, guys. And with that, uh, all that's left to say, I suppose, is we will actually be back later on, I think, in the... We're coming back, I think, over the weekend with one more guest, just waiting on confirmation um, for, for one more guest to, 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 to pop on. But we should be back over the weekend with another podcast. Thanks so much to everybody for listening, for watching over the last uh, over the last week. It's been uh, it's been wall-to-wall coverage, I think, uh, of Aston Villa and a lot of podcasts. But, you know, and there's lots and lots of um, of other places you could you could watch, but you've chosen to come here and watch us. And we really, really appreciate that. And it means an awful lot to us as well. Just before I go as well, guys, just wanted to let you know that we do still have that uh, offer running on beer 52 beer 52.com forward slash love um, you can also uh, I, you, you can also continue to listen on after the podcast for a small little bit more information on beer 52.com but thank you so much everybody for listening and all that's left to say is up the villa Patty and myself have teamed up with Beer52, uh, Beer52.com, and uh, they've given us a little bit of an offer for you guys that when you first sign up to Beer52, um, you normally get, uh, for postage and packaging, for, for the price of five ninety five, you normally get eight cans of beer, um, just randomized cans of beer, and it's, uh, you know, they send them out to you. But if you use the code Beer52.com forward slash love, as in L-O-V-E, um, they will actually give you 10 cans of beer as opposed to eight cans of beer. And um, by signing up as well, each month you know you become a member and each month you're sent a case of beer whether it be uh themed beer from czech republic or wherever you can select what types of beer you want whether it be dark beers or light beers or mixed beers so there's quite a lot that you can do on there as well subscriptions monthly come with um magazines and with 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 snacks as well if that's something that you're interested in and you know the subscriptions don't have a time limit so you can cancel them and pause them at any time it's just something interesting, you know, if you guys wanted to stack up for Christmas or maybe just wanted to get some beers in for uh, for Steven Gerrard's first game against uh, against Brighton in a week's time. Um, I do have to let you guys know as well, though, that this is only available for uh, UK, mainland UK and people in Northern Ireland. Unfortunately, we can't even avail of it here in Ireland ourselves, which, um, look, hopefully it will change in the future. But for anybody who's UK based and Northern Irish based, beer52.com forward slash love if you're interested in getting a few free beers give us a shout give them a shout and they'll be able to get you sorted it is a subscription service so do read any of the terms and conditions prior to uh, prior to signing up but 10 beers for the price of 5.99 post, 5.95 postage and packaging if that's something you're interested in uh, give it a shout and see what what what, what you think <laughs> Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.